This is three women and a bottle of wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. We're delving into whatever interests us. News, not news, it's what affects our lives because it's probably affecting yours too. And a big thanks this week to Egg Roll Queen Cafe in St. Paul for hosting us for this episode. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. We would like to welcome our guest, Lee Schaefer. He is a business columnist for the Star Tribune and just an all-around nice guy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here on Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. It's an honor to have you here with us. You know, Lee, um, I love reading your column. Thank you. Many columns in the Star Tribune. Business, I think, is so fascinating. And you've had kind of an interesting career path. So you're in the business world and you get it. I want to say that first and foremost, you seem to get it. And you're also in the world of journalism. So how did those two meet together for you? Well, you know, kind of, I had a uh, millennial style career before that was popular because I went into different stuff. So when I was a college kid, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I found out what lawyers did. (laughs) And that ended that. Um, Turns out I was in love with the idea of going to law school. And so then I went into banking as sort of a placeholder. And when I got into that, I thought, well, this is no fun. And then it was about journalism. And at journalism school, people realized I'd been through credit training at a big bank. And so they steered me into business journalism. I wanted to do cops and courts and Mm -hmm. housing. But so I became a business journalist, um, did that for 10 years. And then I thought to move my career forward, I had to go to New York. And I actually had a job offer in the early 90s to go to New York, but I would have had to live in an apartment about the size of a Maytag box. (laughs) And it just wasn't going to happen. So I went into business and did that for 15 years and liked it. Uh, At the end, I was a consultant working kind of by myself. And then the Star Tribune called. And the Star Tribune was interested in somebody who could write with authority about business having been in business. Mm -hmm. And they said, you've got great ideas and, and this could be really good. And I said, I don't know how to write for a newspaper. I'm 51 and I've never worked in a newspaper. And they go, oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's nothing. We'll teach you how to write a thousand words of newspaper format. Well, I still don't think it's easy. I've been doing it seven years. And you know, a blank word processing file is like the scariest thing in the world. Um, but you know, but I find a way to get it done. So that's, so it, it's been business and it's been journalism. I've worked by myself as a consultant. I've been part of big organizations. Uh, and that business experience, it really does matter. You know, stuff I, I didn't even think I was paying attention to comes up in my column all the time. Yeah. So would it, and for business, on the business end of things, can you just clarify a little bit more about what you did in the business world? Well, there's a couple of things. I did, uh, I was an officer of a, of a public company, and we were growing via acquisition. So I went out and tried to do acquisitions. Part of a team, by the way, not me, part of a team. And then when I was a consultant, I did kind of the same thing. Like you might hire me to find a company for you to buy. Uh, You're plenty smart, but you're busy running your company. So I would go do that. It's called corporate development. United Healthcare has 15 people smarter than me to do that or 30 or whatever. Uh, A lot of companies that my clients were just too small. They didn't, couldn't walk out of their office and hand off this assignment to somebody. So I did it on an outsource basis. And that's mostly what I did. And I, I really liked it. I really liked uh, most everything about it. But at the end, I felt my, my world was shrinking. I had my clients. They were friends of mine. I had my friends. Um, I didn't feel I didn't go downtown anymore. I didn't 
felt I wasn't in the world and I was kind of thinking maybe I had to get a job or maybe I had to find a partner and then the Star Tribune called. So Lee, being a journalist, a lot of journalists are really passionate about it and they, that kind of helps guide them through a pretty tumultuous career path. What made you decide to stick with journalism considering it wasn't necessarily your your first go-to? Well, the, you know, I work with a bunch of people who can't imagine doing anything else and mostly that's a positive thing and sometimes it isn't where they're not really understanding that they're really skilled people and they'd be valuable to somebody else. And they are really skilled people and they would be valuable to somebody else. Uh, I, I like, uh, I really feel strongly about the Star Tribune as an institution. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we do really good work. We're one of the, the biggest of the surviving major Metro dailies. And, uh, you know, I really feel grateful to be part of a team. Um, but I'm not in love with the the, the profession of journalism. It's got a lot of flat spots. And, uh, you know, I took a pay cut, obviously, to go do it, do it back at the Star Tribune. Uh, you know, I, would I go do something else to, to finish my career? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, nothing comes to mind. Uh, but, you know, what I'm doing right now is about the most rewarding spot to be in the newsroom. I have tremendous autonomy over my work. I have zero influence over the rest of the company. Um, if I wanted to get a friend of mine interviewed for the job, I don't think it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just that's just sort of the. I mean, so I'm in a really weird spot where I've got you know a lot of visibility in the community, a lot of autonomy over my work. I get to do kind of what I want. Uh, I don't get invited to any meetings. I don't have to go to any <laughs> meetings. Maybe that's another way of saying. So that's a very unusual spot in the newsroom. But you do get invited to help out on podcasts. Yes. I do with, yeah. pe- with people I like. You know, so we are. Thanks. And we're yeah. here too. You know, you mentioned um, kind of feeling like you were out of things. So now you're working downtown. You're back in the hub. One thing that strikes me about working in in an urban area, whether it's St. Paul or Minneapolis, is that you are part of a community. And it's a great community, you know, and, and somehow we have this secret sauce going uh, where we have this. When I first moved here, I don't know what it was like for you ladies, but everybody's like, Shh, don't tell anybody. Well, now, mm-hmm. of course, we want to tell people we need that vibrancy. But what do you think it is about this part, this region, this place that makes it so attractive for business, these big companies that are here and things like that? Well, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that because we... We really stand out in the Midwest. I mean, I, the Democrats just picked Milwaukee for their convention, right? So in greater Milwaukee, I think the median family income is, household income is about $60,000. It's close to 80 here in the Twin Cities. I mean, that's huge mm-hmm. difference. And, you know, if you do any sort of national studies, I mean, we just really stand out in the Midwest. You know, we're, we're one of the few top 25 metro areas in the Midwest, and we're the only one that's growing. You know, so as you, you wonder, you know, why is that possible? You know, we're not warm exactly. Especially after this winter, <laughs> yeah, right? Not, right? You know, we got we got no oil. You know, we we didn't invent you know the microchip. I mean, you know, it really comes down to people, and it's a it, I call it a virtuous circle where we've got great career opportunities for people to work. United Health to 3M to the University of Minnesota that attracts people. They come to like it due to the quality of life, and they don't want to leave, and they're really good at their work, and so those companies succeed, and they attract more people. And then they move from company to company to company. So lots of people do different things over the course of a lifetime. The idea that you'd 
go to college and then you'd get recruited at the big meeting and you know some Saturday your fresh I mean your senior year and then you'd go to work there for 40 years that doesn't really happen that often mm -hmm. you do move to different stuff and so all these really wonderful people are moving from company to company to company and they don't want to leave so you know I, I went out and talked to people about this like the Ecolab recruiter and she's very funny and I, she, she's fantastic I'm sure at her work but I tried to understand how does Ecolab get people to come to St. Paul and she says when we get them to visit we win hmm. yes they see that the river they go around the lakes they go have a craft beer um, they understand that there's a reasonable commute relatively low-cost housing it all kind of works and um, in June right but they come in June yeah, July but I think, no but I think they come <laughs> in the winter too I mean I've also talked to people about that I mean a a guy I once interviewed for a column, he was the, he's the design director for Polaris, and he was working for BMW in Southern California. On a good day, his commute was 75 minutes. Wow. And he missed his kids. He missed a lot of family dinners. And when his kids were little, they were being bad by the time he got home. And he thought, well, you know, he's working for BMW. He's working on cool stuff. And then Polaris called. Actually, a headhunter called. And what he didn't understand that in Minnesota, you come home, you change your clothes and you go back outside. That's what he'd, he'd never been on a snowmobile before. Hmm. He, he didn't understand that that's our thing, right? And so, I mean, I've seen the data. If you look at what people like about our region, pro sports is way down the list. I mean, San Antonio has a good basketball team, I think. I don't know. But it's way down the list. But outdoor activities is very high mm -hmm. on the list. So there's no bad weather. There's just bad jackets. <laughs> That's what I say. If you have the right ear, you can you get are the ready. Yeah, go, right. go to REI. Yes. Don't be cheap, and you can be good to go down to minus 20. Spend all oh, you great. can on the best jacket and, and boots. My husband would agree with that. He has, I always joke, you know, the old woman who lived in her shoe. We're, we're like the old people who lived in their my husband's jackets. We have so many. But this is a guy who does the, <laughs> covers the Iditarod every year. So true, you know. But he uses that as an excuse. It's not. <laughs> it's every, to take out the cool coat. <laughs> every year it's a new coat. But yeah. no, I agreed though. Gear is important. Minnesotans are hardy folks. Mm -hmm. We just are. Mm -hmm. Well, and as Prince said, he liked the cold because it kept the riffraff out. Or I no, thought that kept, was a great line. Kept yeah. the mm -hmm. bad people out. That's what he told Oprah. Which I still I thought move was back. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It's going. Are there, are there any red flags? that you see? I mean, we want to keep a vibrant economy. Are there red flags out there? Well, I think that the, the one that people talk about, and I, I don't know how I feel about that, is um, the technology is a more important part of the economy than ever before. And it's not just, you know, Facebook and, and Google, but it's technology at, at, at United Health. I mean, the biggest tech company in the region is United Health, Optum. I mean, I don't know how many people they have there, but that, you know, so, but technology, and it, technology feeds on itself. You know, the, um, it's by being face-to-face. -face. And that's one of the weird things about it. You know, people think, well, if we just have broadband, you know, Amazon will move to Canyon, Minnesota. You know, it's like, no, that's it, not going to work. I mean, you got to have face-to-face -face communication. you got to have face-to-face. -face. And, and this knowledge base sort of builds. And our technology-oriented businesses, it's, it's actually pretty good. But people fret about that. You know, and then when I became an adult and, and had to go get a job and, and wear a suit, the big employer in the Twin Cities was called Control Data, and it's just gone. I mean, I don't know what it peaked out at, 25,000 people in the, just in the Twin Cities? 
Lee. You know, it's just gone. So, we're, you know, where's the new control data? We don't know who that is. And as you talk about technology, though, don't you think maybe it opened up some opportunities that didn't exist before? I, I know several people, mo many of them single parents like myself, they get to work 100% from home for United Health Group because of that technology. So they're really able to flex work time and family life, which is something that so many people strive for. So do you think maybe that's a plus or do you still see it as, as a negative overall? I think if it's managed well, it's a plus. I mean, I, I once tried to convince somebody I should be the St. Paul employee of a New York operation. I mean, it, it got laughter, you know, as a response. and which I think was kind of mean, but the idea was that I, there's there's value in face-to-face -face interaction. Um, I have colleagues who, st who still find it surprising I come in, in as columnist. I mean, I've got a columnist colleague in sports who I've never met, and I've been there seven years, just never comes in. Apparently comes in to do the expense report, and that's it. Um, I, I get a lot of value out of face-to-face -face interaction, but I think your point's a valid one. I mean, we have we have effective technology that allows somebody to connect, um, FaceTime and, and video conferencing. It, it's good to see uh, faces. It's more fun to do this here than if we were on the phone, because I can see you nod and I can see, you know, the looks on your faces, and it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, but that I think that still matters. It is so nice to have so many options, though, don't you think? I think the Twin Cities is really known for allowing for well, a variety of Life doesn't go down work. a straight, you know, there's no straight line for life. Things mm -hmm. happen. Agreed. Yeah. Sure. Well, Lee, that kind of leads into another question. So you're really good at putting, giving context to stories. I think mm -hmm. when I read your Twitter feed, when I read your columns, you look at it from a lot of different angles and, you know, business stories aren't black and white. I think a lot of people think that. They think, oh, there's the jobs numbers and the numbers are what they are. How, do you have any advice to people as they're reading an, a business article in the you know, Wall Street Journal, Star Tribune, wherever, but how do you, what should people look for? How do you, how do you get context? How do you make yourself more well-educated as you're reading a business story? Well, I think that's a, I mean, a great question because sometimes we do a bad job of that, particularly in the daily, you know, there might be, um, you know, somebody announced, uh, you know, a layoff of, of people or maybe somebody's making an acquisition. Uh, what you really want to look for, I think, is sort of what's happening here that's a broader trend. And um, and that's not easy because sometimes the reporters and editors aren't doing a very good job explaining that to you. Um, and that's so, you know, what's, a, you know, what's happening here? Because one of the things that it's, is poorly understood in my business and my profession is we have this things that are cyclical, right? Things go up and things go down. The seasons, the housing market, the bond market, the stock market, the, I don't know. And, and there's not that many things that are cyclical. Things change forever. Farming is way different than it was 50 years ago. Um, there's manufacturing businesses that no longer exist. Um, there's, you know, banking. I, I'm old enough to remember when they put ATMs in and people were really anxious. What's gonna happen to the tellers? Well, the total number of tellers went up. They were just doing different stuff. Well, now banking has gone from the ATM to my iPhone, you mm -hmm. know, and it's going to change mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So the change is fundamental and it's constant and it's secular, not cyclical. So as you read a, read about the business community, you know, what's happening here that, that shows and demonstrates change? And what does that mean for the companies I like to shop at? What does it mean for where I like to go banking? What does it mean for where my kids might want to go to work? These are the kinds of things I think about. Mm -hmm. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? 
excellent question. So uh, the closest thing I had to a business mentor was a famous hard ass in the company, and I was afraid of him. <laughs> the reason I didn't want to go to the company is I heard he worked there, and I'm not making that up. He turned out to be my friend and a mentor. Um, but his was do your own work and work fast. And by that, he meant that don't rely on somebody else to do you know, part of your thinking for you or part of your job for you. You've got to learn how to do it. And the, other th you know, the idea of working fast was you need to learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can, about the work you, you do. And, and career opportunities will present themselves. He wasn't a great planner. He wasn't a great, great one for thinking, well, you need to do, accomplish these four things and we could promote you. He was more interested in, in um, you know, seeing that, you've, that, you, that you're doing these kinds of things. And he was a particular stickler for doing your own work. Um, you know, in, in IT, you it's like, well, my, my computer is kind of, you know, fix it yourself. Oh, you know, I was like, I would be lost. You know, <laughs> my, my iPhone doesn't really work very well. You know, I was like, solve the problem. Think about it. Stop you know? whining. Stop whining. <laughs> you Hit know? reboot. Hit reboot <laughs> or something. But, but it would also be, um, I need, well, I need to call somebody in, in legal about this. Or I need to, I need to check with somebody on this. Make your own decisions. Do your own work. And, and keep moving and and this is by the way the best advice I've ever gotten that I routinely fail to follow you know it's a constant battle for me to to you know just say what well, today's job is to get get more done than I got done yesterday and see if I can read something else or talk to somebody else and is, you know, got to keep moving. Got to keep moving fast. Got to keep moving. We got to keep moving too. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, the final flight. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian, who's so great, and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling, and they know how to make video look really, really good. Learn more at 515productions.com. Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSaltz, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, threewomenandabottleofwine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's time now for our final flight, which is a quick round of questions we asked just to help us learn a little bit more about our guest. Lee Schaefer is our guest today from the Star Tribune. So, Lee, what is your favorite beverage? My favorite beverage is... Summit Saga beer. Oh, I'm a hometown guy. I like Summit, the original, and Saga's my favorite. Nice. Okay, favorite vacation destination? The North Shore of Lake Superior. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, I've stayed probably every place along there and uh, enjoyed the hikes. And it's our inland ocean. And we want to keep that between us as Midwesterners. Uh, but it's fantastic there. Love it. One of my favorite places of all time. Um, and final question, what is a bad habit you would like to break? 
Oh my, I have so many terrible habits. <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, you don't want to break any of them? <laughs> oh, I want to break them all. Shouldn't uh, you have at least one that you just keep going, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, and I think it's a, a, uh, uh, it's a very personal, so that's how I get phrases. So when I get really stressed out, um, I become a, a massive snacker. And so you can tell that our, my column's not going well by how many times I go up the stairs to go get another snack out of the vending machine. <laughs> and if it's particularly bad, this goes on all day. <laughs> and it's like, there's got to be some way to get through that without, you know, pretzels. So um, your editor starts to worry when, when well, they see you. Well, I, I think they, <laughs> they just assume it's going to work out some way, but uh, that's, that's, and I, I don't know how to stop doing that. Well, you know, maybe we'll send you a fruit basket and you can keep that on your desk. No, that'd be know. fantastic because there's nothing good to eat in there. You maybe know, some packs of gum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be good too. <laughs> Two cans of Pringles stat to Schaefer's desk. Thank you very much. Well, Lee Schaefer, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful having you with us. And uh, thanks to Egg Roll Queen for hosting us and for the amazing egg rolls. You got to try them, they're delish. Dear listeners, thanks for listening. We'll catch you back here next time for another round of Three Women and a Bottle of Wine.